one. Hey, what's going on? This is Akeem uh, with Ron Uncut. Um, today we have a special, special, special guest. Um, she is someone that I look for inspiration in um, every time I, I look on our Instagram and our YouTube channel. Uh, Dr. Delvina, how you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful <laughs> today. I'm wonderful today. So podcast, um, a lot of people think it's like everything is so scripted. I, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you in regards of things that, that I, I would think that my audience uh, would definitely want to hear about. Let's kind of talk about you and, and, and how everything started for you. Let's, let's talk about, um, you know, where are you from? First of all, let's, let's give everybody where you're from. Okay. So I grew up um, as an army brat. My father was an, an enlisted soldier in the army. So I was born in Kansas. We lived in Jersey. Uh, we lived in Germany for about five years. And then we came back to the United States uh, and moved to Maryland where my dad decided to retire. Um, we were stationed at Aberdeen Proving Ground. So I spent most of my childhood in Maryland, went to uh, junior high, high school there, went to college in Baltimore, medical school in Philly, went back to Baltimore to do my uh, residency training to become a psychiatrist. Mm. And as soon as I finished um, my training, which was four years, I completed that in 2007, I moved to Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. So let, let's talk about the uh, Maryland transition. What, what college did you go to with Maryland? College of Notre Dame of Maryland, which is now considered uh, University of Notre Dame or Notre Dame University. You know how mm. these schools change their names as they <laughs> grow in size. Yeah, they transition and they rebrand themselves. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a private Catholic school for women. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So how was your experience there? How did you uh, how did how did you feel about the school? Was you there for a mission? You know some. Some people are like there for just like one mission, one mission only, don't really get involved with, you know, the school stuff or school spirit and stuff like that. Were, were you like that or how was your, your college experience? You know, when I was leaving high school, I felt like I want to get in. I want to get my my degree. I don't want to fool around with any anything like, uh, you know, I used to watch things like uh, movies like School Days and things like that and mm. that's not the experience i wanted to have i just wanted to i was real serious and real focused mm. uh which is how i was in high school not to say that i didn't have fun i hung out a lot in high school um when i got to when i was getting ready to go to college i just felt like i want to get this career underway you know i started um investing when I was a senior in high school. Really? I opened an I yeah, I opened my first IRA in high school. Mm. Um, so I was just so serious and focused. And there are times I don't have regrets in life, but there's times I look back on it and I'm like, wow, you know, in that moment in time, I wanted to go to an all girls school, Catholic school at that. Yeah. Like, what was that about? And, and in my mind at the time, I didn't want to be bothered by dating and guys and you know, um, the games that get played. Yeah, I just didn't want that. I didn't want that going on. And, and what's so funny is I met my son's father as a senior in high school, and we got married when I was in college. So really? I guess that's kind of, yeah, yep. So I guess it's kind of in line with what I'm saying about 
I didn't want distractions from like just random dating and different boyfriends. So I got married in college. Mm. Uh, my son was born while I was in college. Um, wow. So yeah, I didn't want to pledge. I didn't want to um, party. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I had an interest in pledging, but because I went to an all girls school, we didn't have any sororities. And at the time we had to go to like Morgan or Hopkins, something like that to pledge. And, you know, um, two of the major sororities were offline at the time. So that made that easy. Yeah. So you, you know, it's never too late to pledge, by the way, you can always, you can always play. I think, you, you know, I think as long as you're a graduate from what they tell me, um, the same thing I, I wanted to, but I was into football and stuff. So I couldn't really, um, you know, get involved in that life. I, I was just, I was driven. I was trying to be something and that's just how it was. But, uh, let me ask you this. You, you what did you, what was you, what was your major? What did you study um, in college? Sure. And before I answer that, I will just say I did actually become a member of the greatest sorority on earth, Delta Sigma Data Sorority <laughs> Incorporated. Uh, <laughs> so Shout I out. am. Yes. Okay. Yes. I am a Delta Diva, a devastating okay. Delta Diva. Devastating so. Delta Diva. Okay. Yes. So I, yes. Yes. So we would definitely get into that. I, I <laughs> I didn't say I knew that about you, but I knew that about you. And I knew that it was coming because most, most uh, sorority fraternity, what, what, whatever, there's a pledge, there is a certain level of respect that is needed to give it to those individuals that pledge. I tell you, they all are the same way. They, hey, this is what it is. This is how it was. So we're definitely getting to that. But let's talk about uh, the academics piece. Let's talk about what you studied. Sure, sure. So I was a biology major. Mm. Um, and so when I went in, I knew I wanted to become a medical doctor. Um, in high school, I, you know, I was a church goer. At the time, I was like a holy roller, sanctified. I attended an apostolic church. My best friend, who I met in fifth grade and is still my best friend, uh, her family is how I became or well, began to practice the apostolic faith instead of Baptist, okay? Mm. And um, in high school, my best friend's auntie was like an auntie to me also. Um, we, the three of us were talking. She wanted to become a lawyer, which she's an attorney now in this, uh, Baltimore City. And I wanted to be a physician. And her aunt told both of us, it, you know, it's been ordained. This is what you're supposed to do. Now, she might have just been saying that, mm -hmm. but her aunt was heavy into church also. So, and whatever it is, it, it worked, whether it was her just saying that to keep us focused or that's really what she believed was the case from the higher power. Um, and I say that because when I got to this private Catholic girls school, my uh, counselor tried to dissuade me from going to medical school. She told really? me, oh, you know, yes, sir. She told me, oh, you could be a nurse or why don't you go into physical therapy? This was, this was my first semester. She hadn't seen me do any work yet. You know, this was starting in the fall. Um, and I had good grades in high school and, and things like yeah. that. And I was, yeah, I was very active. I was um, the president of the National Honor Society in high school and um, just well-rounded. So there's no, there was no need for her to doubt me except for the color of my skin. And even um, in my eyes, don't doubt me because of how I look, but that's what it was. White female, um, she did it to a lot of students, doubted their, their potential. So she told me, no, don't go into, go into medicine, do this, do that. And when people plant a seed of doubt, the same way that someone can encourage you to, to be great, people can plant that seed. And although my 
the lady who was like my aunt told me it was I was destined to be a physician. I'm not going to say that I listened to this counselor because I did not. However, I did at times have doubts about if it was really what I wanted to do. It's a serious career. Mm. And so I did kind of, um, I kind of dibbled and dabbled a little bit in different subjects in undergrad. I took a couple of poli-sci classes. Um, I did not consider physical therapy. I just knew that wasn't going to be enough for me. And I did not consider nursing. I did consider something uh, something other than the medical field, and that was um, practicing law. But I knew right away after the first class that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I was always a biology major. Um, and... And I also took like a lot of art history classes because I was real heavy into art history. Um, and then I graduated in 2008, or excuse me, 1998 with my bachelor's of arts in biology. Okay. So what did, what, what did you think in my, in, in your opinion, what, what did you think when she was telling you these things, what did you think that you got your strength from, to overcome because that that's that's a pretty influential person um that's that's telling you these things on you know trying to detour you from from doing something that you really wanted to do where, where did you think you got that strength from was it was it god was it um your family your, your you know this is something that you really wanted to do what what, what would you say that was definitely my higher power definitely mm-hmm. god i think also my dad didn't raise no punk Um, Neither did my mom. I was um, the only girl. I have two older brothers. So my brothers were kind of hard on me too growing up. You know, Um, boys can be rough to to little girls. They were my protectors. But at the same time, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, my brothers, uh, of course, older siblings help raise children. So my brothers raised me so that I would not be um, a bird so that I would not be gullible and silly. And they taught me how to fight you know, physically protect myself. So yeah, it was serious. I'm telling you, my brothers used to have me on the playground in New Jersey. Um, and we, the neighborhood kids would fight, including the little girls. I mean, wow. <laughs> and that was like all in fun, but they were, they did not want me to grow up and not be able to defend myself. Mm. Um, so I've always had a strong personality, that personality, that's just who I am. Um, when she told me, I want to tell you, I had a counselor in high school tell me that I could not go to Johns Hopkins, white guy, and I listened to him. So when she told me that I should not be a doctor, I said, you know what? Mm-mm. Already got got one time. Already got got one time. You're not going to get me again. Shame on me if I let another one of these white people dissuade me from doing what I know is in my path. So. Yeah, no qualms about it. I told her basically, like, you know, go to hell. And she was a nun. She was a nun. Because like I told you, it was a Catholic school. Not everyone there were nuns, but she was a nun. So learning from that, and and like you said, you call from the higher power, um, learning from that experience, um, getting older, uh, transitioning into your master's program. Um, and your doctorate program, I'm sorry. Uh, what, where did you acquire that? Okay, so after I graduated college, mm-hmm. I did a year at the University of Baltimore uh, working on, on a master's in health admin, and then I went to medical school, which is the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Mm. That's in Philadelphia. So my medical degree was from PCOM. 
while I, um, when I finished med school and um, started my residency at the University of Maryland, I decided to get a master's in public health, an MPH. So this, that was my third degree. So I attended Morgan State University. It was oh, a program. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So while I was in residency, I took classes at Morgan mm. um, and acquired my MPH in 2007, the same year that I finished my residency. Because to become a psychiatrist, which is a physician, a medical mm. doctor, mm-hmm. your residency includes psychiatry and neurology, and it's a four-year residency. Mm. Whereas things like pediatrics, internal medicine, family practice, those things are three years. Um, OB-GYN, someone who delivers babies and provides uh, women's health, that residency is four years, like my residency, surgery is five years. So it just depends on what you're learning um, that determines how long your residency will be. So for four years, I worked in a hospital and in clinics learning psychiatry and neurology under uh, the guidance of someone who, who was already practicing as a psychiatrist or, and or a neurologist. Well, let me, let me do, let me say this first and foremost, um, in regards to what you do, I mean, you make it look so fun. So that, that's very inspirational to a lot of people. I'm sure. Um, I, you know, I, I, I followed you, like I said, and I, and I'm really, I'm really impressed on how you answer a lot of people's questions, concerns. And, and, and I just think, I think that's, I mean, in some, some real, these are some real life, real life questions. You know what I mean? Like you're straightforward, straight up with it. Um, have you ever got anything or you received anything that you was concerned with what they were asking you or, you know, um, something that you felt like they, they needed some, some assistance, some, uh, you know, some mental health? I have. Um, a couple of times I have. Um, you know, I probably get man, my DMs, I get a lot of messages um, and some are in like the junk box, you know, so I'll go through there and look and see if there's anything um, of serious nature. Um, Luckily, no one DMs me anything serious like I want to kill myself. Um, I've received emails also like people will go on my website um, and email me through the website and I get phone calls to the office. Like this morning when I came in, I had a call from a gentleman who actually reached out to me on Instagram and then he called the office too and uh, wanted to discuss moving forward with um, me as his uh, psychotherapist. He has a psychiatrist in Philadelphia, but his psychiatrist only prescribes his meds in and out. He said she spends like 15 minutes with him, doesn't allow him to talk about anything else. Mm. And he wants to talk about some of his, his sexual concerns. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And you'll find that, you know, insurance companies have made it, a little challenging, or should I say a lot challenging for some physicians to practice medicine the way that they prefer, and not just in mental health and psychiatry, but also in other specialties. Um, some physicians feel like to to make the money that they would like to make, and especially those who have student loans and things to pay back loans, it's a little difficult to be in private practice because insurance is only paying or reimbursing so much for a visit. And then what insurance will do is they'll keep stats on how many um, of a certain code that you bill. So if you're billing the higher codes, they will come after you and say, hey, your colleagues are billing this and you're billing this higher code. Why? We want to see your notes. They'll audit the, your notes. And then if they feel you should have billed a lower code, they want to take money back. So 
some some physicians have felt forced into billing lower codes and spending less time with patients. Man, I I, I mean that's it's pretty damaging. Like it just the, the non-concern of people's welfare is is terrible. Like I don't I don't you know, for, for me, I, I believe in mental health. So, you know, I, you know, for me, when I was coming up, I was taught really not to talk to any psychologists or anything like that. And, you know, as I got older, I matured and, you know, it's kind of like a black community thing that we just, we really just don't really take care of ourselves the way I feel like that we should. And that maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that you, you have a, um, do you believe that our culture should really, really reach out more uh, in concerns of their, their mental health? I do. I do. Um, you know, in any culture, but emphasis on our culture, our being brown, black, you know, minorities, yeah. African-American Islanders, emphasis there because uh, data and research shows that the stigma of mental illness is much higher in the black community than other communities. Um, even so we're talking minorities, even Latinas and Hispanics, they don't have any misgivings about seeking mental health care. Um, sometimes, you know, with the men, it's just similar to white men, black men, there's this whole um, machismo thing where they feel like they're not being a man if they tell someone that they're sad. But overall, um, Hispanics, uh, oftentimes they don't, mind going to see a mental health professional. It's the access to care that they may not have because of socioeconomic statuses and limitations. Mm. In the black community, shoot, if you need to talk to Jesus, go to church, Ain't that the um, truth? pray, yeah, pray I, on I, it. I hear that a lot, yeah. Yeah, but I, I've seen some things. Social media makes, um, makes a lot of information available. And um, I've seen churches trying to do more about encouraging dialogue, encouraging people to go and see someone. Kirk Franklin posted something two weeks ago. It, it stated something like, um, I'll paraphrase, something to the effect of it's okay to pray and then go see your therapist. Um, or maybe it was go see your therapist and then pray, something like that. But basically he was encouraging combination of you can still pray, but still go see your mental health professional too. That's real dope, cause um, you know I'm a I'm a I'm a vice principal at a school, so all I do is talk to kids and you know try to encourage them and just work with them. And there's so many of them um, that you know I talk to the parents about about some type of mental health and just the insurance and the funds are just not available. Um, do you have any? Do you have any maybe resources, big name companies or anything that like that that can possibly help um, with them with that that can. Um, you know, to get some mental health for a low cost or, you know, uh, you know, some, some information on how to get that help in general. Is there like a database right. website or anything like that? So, well, the first thing I'll say, one of the, the major websites will be NAMI.org. Mm. That's N as in November, A, M as in Mike, I.org. And uh, NAMI.org is a national um, nonprofit that its primary concern or focus is mental illness and educating families and patients on how to access care, just giving them um, education in general. You can go on their website and learn so many different things 
about different illnesses, about disparities, about research, about they have a list of diagnoses there, they have support groups there. Most major cities have a local NAMI. So NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm. Um, they've been around for a long time. So that's one place to start. But the other thing I'll say is this, if, if a child, um, because of socioeconomic limitations, cannot go and pay to see someone, more than likely that child qualifies for Medicaid mm. or may have Medicaid, right? And so what people don't know is that Medicaid, these government insurance plans now, first of all, Medicaid is now, they have HMOs. It's not how it used to be where it was just a state plan. Um, like in Florida, they got a gold card and it just had the Florida on it or whatever. Now you can actually pick certain insurance companies or panels um, to provide you an actual HMO, just like someone who has a regular insurance plan through their job, like United Healthcare offers um, Medicaid plans. And you wouldn't know it's a Medicaid plan because it says United Healthcare. So that's the first thing. Second thing is these government plans like Medicaid um, and also Medicare, they all offer mental health benefits. So right. that's the thing that people don't know. Oh, because I have this Medicaid plan, I probably can't get any mental health treatment. Mm -hmm. Nope, that's wrong. All these plans offer mental health treatment. Now, you do have to find out from your plan what the coverage, mm -hmm. um, the specific coverage entails. Um, and that's with any plan. We all have to do that. But it does offer access to care. And unlike some years ago, um, when Obama was in office, the Affordable Health Care Act provided a provision so that people can go directly to a mental health professional without seeking or obtaining a referral first. It used to be you had to go to your primary care doctor first, so like the pediatrician, the family practice doctor, the internal medicine doctor, the one that takes care of your colds and does your physical exam and, you know, those things, you had to go to that person first and get a consult, like you would if you were going to see a surgeon or the gynecologist. But with the Affordable Health Care Act, that provision um, required that healthcare companies allow people to go directly to a mental health professional because mm. that's the best way to ensure someone's safety and also to help when they're under duress and you know frustrated with life and suffering from a mental illness because oftentimes if I'm severely depressed I'm not going to be able to go and you know take all these steps yeah. go see my primary yeah. care explain to them then get the referral and you know so they cut all that out you can go directly to a mental health professional which could be someone like me, a psychiatrist, which I'm a physician, I just explained that, specializing in psychiatry neurology, or you can go to a psychologist, that's someone who has a PhD or a PsyD, so this is someone who went to college, graduated, went to um, graduate school for an additional, an additional four years, and sometimes they'll do like an extra year of training in their specialty, kind of like what we do when we do our residency, or you can go to a licensed clinical social worker, that's someone who has a master's degree, so they went to college for four years, went to grad school for two years, and then took a test to become licensed as, as an LCSW. There's also, this is a newer field, licensed mental health counselors, LMHCs. Same thing as an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. They too, these licensed mental health counselors, have a college degree and a master's degree, a two-year degree, so that they can become licensed as a mental health counselor. Now, the clinical social worker and the mental health counselor can both continue and go on to grad school to get a PhD. 
so that they become anyone can have a PhD and be called DR in front of their name doctor. Mm-hmm. A, uh, you know, a reverend, the pastor of your church can go to theology school, get a PhD in religion, be doctor, an educator can do it. So anyone, someone majoring or studying mathematics, anyone can go to graduate school. So that's why these other um, credentials kind of tell you what the person is, a doctor of what. So with social work, it would be, you know, a PhD in social work. So So those are like the four major um, mental health professionals that you would go and see. The four major, but there's a couple of other ones, too, that are a little more specific. Great advice, um, and that's exactly what I think this this audience of mine need because I, I get a lot of emails, and to be honest with you, um, I actually I actually put a filler out um, on you know kind of what they wanted to hear, and this is this is something they wanted to hear about. They wanted to hear about the mental health part. They wanted to hear about you know someone who's doing it, and I, and I thought you'd be a great person, and for you to give all the resources out, that is absolutely wonderful. So I really do appreciate that. So let me let me ask you this though, so what are some of the projects that you are working on right now? What aren't I working on? <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me some reason. I know you, cause I see, I see all the time you're busy, you're doing things, you're out. And I see that you are a recent uh, vegan, correct? Or is, or is that vegetarian? What Which one is it? It's, it's vegan. Vegan. So Saturday, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yay. Saturday made two weeks that I've been living my new lifestyle. Um, so I have been vegan for over two weeks now. Mm. And um, you know, it's not as hard as people think. You know, when you believe in something, you'll just do it because it's what you believe in. Yeah, my dad's a he's a he's a vegan. He's been like he's been like that for 30 years. So I I you know I can I mean it's just difficult for for me to see like like he's he's comfortable with it. You know, he eats he feels like he eats everything, but he doesn't eat everything. You know, he is only he only eats things that doesn't have any meat. He said anything breathing, I don't eat uh, any of that. Anything that was ever breathing, so he eats certain right. type of cheese and all that, and he has to have a certain amount of certain type of bean, and <laughs> he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous, but I will say, I, I and the only reason I'm saying it's ridiculous is because he's been trying to convert me for about a, uh, the last thirty years. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's real. But I see you on there, and you said the two week mark. So, what is what is the biggest thing you that you that you can say that you can really say? You know what? I really that is the hardest part for me to give up. But I this is something that takes its place now. You know what I mean? Like, is it chicken? Is it uh, uh, cheese? You know, certain type of cheese. And I mean, what 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 is it? Um, okay. I would say the first thing is seafood. Lord help me. So I told you I'm from Maryland and Maryland, we have crabs. We have such good seafood with our old bay. So I love crabs. I love crab legs. I love shrimp, um, mussels, oysters, um, fish, uh, especially sushi, raw fish. So that was number one. Lobster. Yes. How could I forget? Yes. And there's a place near my house here. Buttered um, up, huh? that has all you can eat lobster some nights and it's good lobster. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'll tell you, I've been a foodie for so long. I mean, since I was a little girl, I was into food. I remember when we, when we lived in Germany, um, I just loved the fresh pastries over there, the French fries. That's how I got addicted to French fries. That's something I had to control later in life. Um, and I've traveled, you know, to other countries just so I could try a restaurant or to eat. That was like my, my hobby. 
Um, and so I've had a lot of, of I've had a lot of different cuisine. I haven't been to China and Japan to have their their food. I don't I don't want to either. I've never had an interest in going to China or Japan and eating their cuisine. I just, yeah, I don't just either. Yeah, it doesn't move me. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, seafood was kind of hard, and I also love cheese. Like I like wine and cheese, you know. So, but I, seen, I was. I seen, I seen you had some type of, like different type of cheese you was talking about on Instagram. It was like something. Yeah, <laughs> like, a vegan cheese. Yeah, oh, they make vegan cheese, oh. and it's good. It tastes just like cheddar. I had a, a cheddar version. I had, um, I think it was Swiss was the other brand. Mm. And they're, they're both good. And just Saturday, I had a like a picnic with my sorority, and I bought vegan cheese for the, the two folks who are vegetarian, myself and another <laughs> one of my Latin sisters. Mm-hmm. So, and that's about it. I, I, I really, my body actually was giving up on chicken. So I'm, it's not like I, I have to have fried chicken. Did you say um, you was give, it chicken. was giving up on chicken? Yeah, I didn't like it anymore. It really? just it would make yeah, it made it not made me nauseated. I didn't like eating it. Mm-hmm. Um and what happened over the last ten years, I may say, I would go through these um phases of when scrambled eggs or eggs, I just couldn't eat them. Um I would go like three, four, five months without eating eggs because it just disgusted me to know that I was eating a chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may sound weird to some people, but this is what I experienced, mm-hmm. um, eating eggs with bacon. That seemed silly. It's like, why am I eating chicken and bacon together? I'm eating double meat. That just seems so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So I would go through these phases during which I didn't like eggs and then it would go away. And then I go back to eating eggs. So I don't miss eggs. I don't miss chicken mm-hmm. beef. I was trying to, I, you know, I was avoiding that anyway. The only time I would eat a burger or a steak or is if it was absolutely like renowned for their, their meat. Mm. But aside from that, I wasn't just eating a regular old hamburger or a steak. Mm. So what was your inspiration for that? Is it just health or, or, or is it, was it more, um, let me see if I can do this. You know, like my, my pops years ago, he, he said it, it, it never was for health. It was because he felt like since he was a kid, you know, back then, you know, he said, and all they ate was pork, you know what I mean? Like, and he said yeah. that he said he just felt like he was a slave to it. He wanted to, he, he had to have it. He felt like it was an addiction. You know, he wanted to uh-huh. eat. He was never a big guy, but he just said he wanted to do it, you know, because of his mind felt like he needed. So it was something he needed to break. Is that something that you feel the same about? Or is it, was it just for health reasons? Um, so I don't have any health problems, right? So to say it was for health reasons, I'd say, um, to prevent future problems. Um, and so I was already kind of moving away from chicken. I'd already given beef a break. Mm. Um, but I was holding on to seafood and I actually went several years without any pork. My family's originally from Mississippi. So, you know, Mm. I've had it. I've had everything. (laughs) Chitterlings. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had probably every piece of of the pig. Chitterlings. (laughs) Is that that what it's called? (laughs) Chitterlings. Chitterlings. <laughs> Chitterlings. <laughs> That's the first time I ever A- heard that. AKA Chitlings, you know, okay. how okay. We, we skip some syllables sometimes, but Chitterlings. I've had every part of the pig hog mogs, uh, the ears, the tail, everything, knuckles, pig feet. <laughs> mm. So that was growing up. Um, 
And my thing became this. And, and actually, that was my inspiration. I was already sort of playing around with the idea. And I was one of these people who used to say I could never be a vegetarian. I could never be vegan. I met John Sally. Um, I don't know, about four or five months ago, whatever. And he and I started, yeah, we were, we were, you know, conversing and um, we've been talking, you know, since I met him. And he said to me, why are you still eating animal products? Really? (laughs) Yes. Doc, you know better. And I said, you know what, Mr. Sally, that is so true. I do know better. And I've noticed this and I've noticed that. Um, and I told him, I said, well, maybe I can just be a pescatarian. I can eat fish. And he said, no, doc, you know, you need to just give up all meat. And, um, and so I did it. I decided to, to do it. Um, and one thing I noticed since giving up meat, the flesh, man, the flesh in your intestines, when you're eating all that meat, your body works super hard to break down beef. It works Mm. hard to break down chicken. I mean, the, the flesh that we're eating, the muscles of these animals, similar to the muscles in our own body. And then I started having these thoughts. I'm eating a corpse. This is a dead body. It's a dead animal body. Oh, so thank thank you for ruining my dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you sit down to put that chicken leg up, that chicken thigh, you're eating a corpse. You're eating a corpse. I'm having chicken enchiladas for dinner, and and now... You're right. I'm just gonna go ahead and just have me some some <laughs> some ver- chicken broth. How about that? Just no 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 meat chicken broth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should do. Wait, if you just <laughs> try not eating meat for a certain amount of days. No, I, have, I, I have. I have. I actually um, it was about uh about two months ago. I was uh I took about a what about a what is it thirty seven days break. Um, oh, I wanted to, okay. I wanted to see if I can do it, and I definitely can. It's um, the only the only real thing I really miss was cheese. Cheese was cheese. I think cheese was my biggest. It wasn't even no no meat products. I really definitely just miss. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. big. Um, I don't consume a lot of uh, meat. Only on like certain mm-hmm. holidays and stuff like that. Of course, you know. But um, other than that, I'm not really. But let let me enough about me. Let, let me do this. Let me ask you this again. Your projects. I know we 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 about to close this out in a minute. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, okay, I want to hear bad. about you know. I want no. It's no thing. This is this is a natural, organic conversation. That's exactly what podcast is about. So I kind of I want to hear what you're doing. What's next for you and what you got going on? Okay, so I have all this information inside of my brain that I want to share, mm. and I like to share my information in a certain way. Um, I don't like for things to be boring. I'm not that type of learner, and I don't expect other people to learn that way, meaning just read something that's dry. Um, So that's why when I create the videos and um, I go on live, that's why I deliver deliver information in in that capacity, because it's already um, a subject that has stigma and one that people don't like to talk about. If you make it fun, or you make it um, engaging because some topics in mental illness just cannot be fun. You know, suicide is not fun, but if you make it engaging, you make it okay for people to, to process it. So projects. Um, so I, you know about my YouTube channel. Um, great, great. YouTube channel. 
Thank you, thank you. Dr. Dalvina Thomas, for those who don't know. So I've been working, trying to increase the subscribers and um, do more things there in hopes that, you know, maybe someone will look and say, hey, this girl could actually hold her own on a talk show or be a regular guest on a show or, you know, maybe even be a part of a reality show, a reality-based show, something like that. Um, I have some self-help pamphlets that I'm trying to um, to publish. I, you know, I know I could self-publish. I don't want to do that. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to make some connects so that I can get these things, these things done. I'm just sitting on them. Um, I have my book, 90 Days in Afghanistan, mm. Sex, War, and Mental Illness. It's my experience as a black female psychiatrist in the Army on a deployment in Afghanistan. Mm. Kind of my life leading up to and then the time that I was there. Um, so, it, you know, discussion about love and sex and romance, as well as work and mentally ill patients. Mm. Man, I, I tell you, like, that's a lot of information. Like you said, I, I really like for me, um, they need to get a hold of all of that. And I think that what you're doing with the YouTube platform, I definitely believe that's going to be picked up because your your panels are they're so energetic. Like you you. You're leading the question, but then you're you're communicating with them and engagement. I mean, it's like a it's like a it's like a um, a reality show, really. You know what I mean? So um, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, do do me a favor and let's shout out that book again. You said I wanted I wanted to, I don't think I got that title. Ninety Days in Afghanistan: Sex, okay. War, and Mental Illness. Great, great. All right. Another thing is, let's give everybody your social media handles, um, whatever that may be. Yep. So on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. That's D-R-D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And my YouTube is uh, Dr. Delvina Thomas. So D-R, then Delvina Thomas. I also have a SoundCloud that I don't really use too often, but I am on SoundCloud also. Okay. And I, I have a that. website. My website is Dr. Delvina. So same thing, D-R, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A, dot help, H-E-L-P. And I definitely gonna, I'm going to put that in this bio of this podcast. Um, I am now on iHeartRadio. I am on TuneIn Radio. Um, I am... I am on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all the above, Spotify. I'm on all those. So um, I do get I get I do get a quite a few downloads. So um, and also get a lot of shares from other podcast people. So this is going to be uh, heard and, and, and respectfully. So you do a lot of great work in, in the community. And, and I definitely see that your voice uh, needs to travel more. And that's why I reached out to you. And I really, really, I really, really appreciate um, you taking my invite. Um, not. Not a lot of people really, um, you know. So so many so many people that's doing great things. They 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 have a plan and they stay in that lane and they don't really try to uh, network with other people in order to get that voice out. So I really appreciate you you doing that. That means a lot. Oh man, no no worries. Thank you so much. I'm grateful that uh, you requested to have my voice on your podcast and to hear me talk about myself. I'm very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm all about networking, sharing information, blending circles. Um, I'm all about that. So um, thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, anytime I can do anything to help out, I definitely will. And I'm definitely going to continue to support you. I really appreciate you. 
All righty. Hope All right. to hear from you again. <laughs> All right, Dr. Delvina. I appreciate you. This is Akeem Raw on a cut, and we out. Peace.